Hey listeners, uh, co-host Mason here coming in ahead of the episode real quick to give you all a heads up that in the show notes for the episode this week, um, you should see a list of uh, resources, be they places to donate, um, websites for community organizations, um, places to get uh, community-based information, um, petitions to sign, uh, messages to text, and places just for other general information if you're like me um, and you didn't get a chance to go out this week in protest, um, and, and, and even if you did, um, there's just stuff that no one I thought would be um, appropriate to share uh, ahead of this week's episode because it's a, uh, you know, our show is fundamentally for entertainment, but I think I speak for Noah as well when I say we don't want it to exist um, in a vacuum. And starting today and going forward, I want to try to be a little more um, cognizant in putting forth more resources for people um, as they arise, uh, either in the notes or just in the episode. Um, again, I hope to hold myself accountable to that, just me personally. But for the time being, um, there's a, a long list of um, websites and and uh, places to donate and just other uh, important resources. There's a free audio book, I'm sorry, free ebook in there uh, called The End of Policing that is, comes very highly recommended from um, producer Carter, who's uh, more on top of this stuff than I am and uh, does a lot of good work um, and I would take heed his recommendation on such things. So, all of that being said, uh, thank you for listening uh, this week and supporting the show and supporting each other and staying ha- safe and staying healthy. Uh, if you did go out and protest, um, thank you for for spending your time this weekend to do that, uh, if you got hurt, um, due to, um, uh, law enforcement escalating their, res- uh, escalating their response to the events, then, uh, my, my, my thoughts and my prayers and my heart is with you, uh, now, uh, if you need help, there is also resources in that, uh, in the show notes, um, but, enough of this for right now it's time for the show so thanks again for listening um and as always uh black lives matter and all cops are class traitors and bastards okay here's the show
It's nine o'clock on a Monday. The SoundCloud is ready to post. There's a no we on the podcast feed. And me, Mason, the other host. They say, bring me your songs and your movies. The ones that are underseen. Put it on the list, oh, you know the gist. Now let's move along with the scene. Give us your takes, oh. you're the podcast guys. Give us your takes tonight. But we're all in the mood for some family guy. But this is what we got. Hope it's all right. You managed to slip Family Guy in there at the last, at the twenty-fifth hour. You got it in there. Absolutely, I was stressing about including that. It's kind of the thing. It's kind of the whole reason we should do this. It's the whole reason we do this show in the first place. The whole reason we do the parody it's a good songs. Stuff Carlin's attention. <laughs> Listen, if there, if anything comes out of this podcast, I want it to be an unpaid internship when I'm thirty years old at the Family Guy Studios. <laughs> Can you make that happen for me? I'll do my best. Um, there is a, actually an alternate version of that parody that I wrote on Twitter back when I was still on Twitter. I just like to get on the record now because uh, I'm not on Twitter anymore. So if you'll just indulge me Please. a bit further. <clears throat> Sing us a song. You're the piano man. Nice. And your name is Billy Joel. Oh. Did you get it yet? This song's about me. Oh. Songs about me, Billy Joel. Oh, that was on Twitter.com. That was on Twitter.com. Wow, oh. full of little hearts. Is that why? That. Is that why you and, deleted your Twitter? <laughs> because because uh, you put did. that up there yeah. and you said I can't do yeah, this anymore. Yeah, it did. I was I was going through the archive. I was deleting anything that was embarrassing or could reflect poorly on my character because you know the internet's forever. Yep. And I saw that and I was like, you know, this is too good. It has to be a loss. <laughs> it has to be lost like uh, like uh, all of the books at the Library of Alexandria. Oh, or whatever Jesus Christ, dude. Okay, <laughs> all right. I I mean I wouldn't put it quite up there. I'd say you know maybe like required reading ninth tenth grade and potentially maybe like some Gatsby summer reading yeah some Gatsby yeah, you, summer you come back summer, from summer vacation shit. and your your teacher's like hey did you read the book and you're like no I was I was too busy going to the pool and and uh you know eating ice cream cones and hanging out with the boys at the quarry I didn't get a chance to read <laughs> the Billy Joel song parody when when things do normalize uh there is going to be a tweet, whether it's by me or by me and multiple other people, that is something <laughs> along the lines of, I had all quarantine to do my homework and I waited till the last minute. That's going to be the big, it's going to be the big tweet reveal of quarantine. <laughs> That's going to be the big tweet of quarantine. That's uh, crazy. It'd be incredible if Twitter actually lasted through quarantine. I can't imagine, like, I can't imagine that that space in the current day is a, uh, a, a fun 
constructive well, place to be. What was the final straw for you? Because how long? Well, first of all, how long were you on the site? And then what was like the final brick? I was uh, 2012 through 2017. It was like a month or two after. Uh, it was like the, a month or two after I think the inauguration. And I was just like, it was honestly just like putting Swiss, like turning my brain brain into Swiss cheese. Sure. And I was just kind of like, I don't need to put up with this. I'll deactivate my, I'll deactivate the account to make it like permanent. Cause I used to just like delete the app off my phone right. or change my password or whatever. But that was not very helpful. I was like, I need to have to really be away from it. And with Twitter, you deactivate your account. You have a 30 day grace period if you want to reactivate. And the 30 days came and went and I was like, I feel just so much better. Do you remember what month during <laughs> 2017 though? Because I joined. I believe it was March. What, what was it? March Ooh. you said? I believe it was March or April. I, okay. I can't remember exactly. It was early in the year. Well, you know so. what they say, Mason. Uh, when God closes a door, he opens a window. Uh, because That's correct. I got my Twitter account in August of 2017. That's what I remember. So you, <laughs> congratulations. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to Twitter.com. Thanks. It was really Noah. awful at first. I was like, <laughs> fuck this place. And you know what? Uh, it's an acquired taste. I'm not going to say it's gotten better. I'm just going to say that I'm used to the taste at this point. How about that? That's true. Uh, much like this podcast trying to segue King into the... <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, you segue kinged me. You segue kinged the segue king. For the listeners, uh, Noah was, uh, Noah did just drink a big sip of coffee, uh, when I segue kinged him. And so that was the world's longest spit that you just heard. Yeah, and it's really too bad that they couldn't have seen it. Spit takes really work when you see and hear it. I'm not sure an audio. It's spit not a very ple- it's not a very pleasant audio uh, gag. I would say it's funnier to see the person spit out all of the, the hot coffee onto their table or wherever. It's less of a fun thing to hear. I'd think. What about uh, the hot coffee mod from uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas? Do you know about that? No, please, 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 let's further get away from the subject at hand. (laughs) Okay, so the the hot coffee mod was code found deep in the, uh, like, like unused code deep in the regular code of the PC version of GTA San Andreas, which basically allowed you to simulate sex in the game. Rock and roll! <laughs> yes. Rock and roll! I love PC gaming. I, I love PC. I love PC gaming, and I love this podcast. Welcome to it's on the list of podcasts about underrated media and movies and more. I'm Noah Marger, and with me as always, Mason McGuire. Mason McGuire. Hello. Was trying to jump over you real quick, say my own name, but if you wanted to say it, I could have just let you do that, <laughs> folks. It's quarantine. There's no air conditioning in my bedroom currently. Oh. I am uh, sweaty and I'm doing my laundry. Fuck, dude. It's all right. We're okay. <laughs> you know, nope. I'm just, listeners, you can't see him right now. He's uh, miserable. He's fucking miserable. He Now, he just did a real-life spit take, now, ladies and gentlemen. Mason likes I to did. lie on the pod and say I do things that I don't do. But guess this what? This is true. You took a big sip, and then you accidentally choked a little bit just now. I did accidentally. Yes, that's true. Uh, 100% true. Listeners, uh, you can uh, hack into my computer and download the audio video file of this Zoom conference for <laughs> clarification yeah. on that. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, we are just... Uh, Noah, how are you doing, buddy? How's How are you holding up? Listen, man, I guess all things considered, you know, I'm doing fine. I uh, 
you know, I'm still in still still in good old Portland. I'm talking to my buddy Mason over over Zoom now, which is a new Zoom thing. call. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh damn, we both we both were the same <laughs> amount excited about Zoom call just then. But like, actually, yeah, Zoom call is kind of changing the game for us because we had struggled to find a video conferencing platform that we all liked. That to be honest with you, yes. prior to this, the Skype days were good for some things and bad for other reasons and then i said mason let's take a jaunt down to our friend discord try that for a little bit and i need i have to you have to admit that at least in the beginning discord was better you have to admit that yeah i don't have i mean for our purposes i don't (laughs) think it would have been a very long relationship discord just because um it we had less lag issues with discord a little clearer uh, conversation. This is just sort of a peek behind the production curtain for all of our podcast heads out there. Maybe you hear us and hear us go on and you're like, I can do it better than these fucking assholes and want to show us and make a better podcast. Well, guess what? You can. Uh, <laughs> but that's what you cannot. Whoa. You're the best in the game. Uh, that's true. Just do what you want. It's it's quarantine. Don't let anybody tell you you shouldn't be able to do something that you want hey, to do. But anyway, it's fucking quarantine. Do whatever you fucking want to do. You think I'm going to tell AJ and I you can't do quarantine? This is already one of our most uh, fevered podcasts, and we're not even recording in the Crenshaw Boulevard apartments with no air conditioning and my neighbors yelling all the time. That really uh, got some good material out of uh, not only our guests, every single guest that we had in the the cat ranch, uh, as it's so lovingly called, please call it the cat ranch, Uh, every single guest that we had in there, without fail, when I would text them, thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Every single guest. Yeah, it was really fun. It's really warm in there. <laughs> Every single guest. And I'm like, that is how we do it. We uh, don't turn the AC on so that you have to be honest with us. Because there's no AC. There was no AC in that apartment. And I was too stubborn to uh, set up my box fan so that our our, our beloved guests in our first season could be comfortable but fuck them we were talking about discord <laughs> correct but anyways discord i'm a nervous person i think that this oh. is uh documented on the show you don't say. I, and if it's and if it's not i want to be upfront about it when i'm doing this this is work i like to i like to be thorough in my work discord does not allow you to record conversations that's true one of my favorite things about skype is it gave you that little backup in case there was an issue um with uh with 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 sort with just anything uh and now we're on zoom now we're on zoom like everybody else in the game and you know what we have it's better i believe i agree with you i think that this is uh this is it's it's so clear it's so nice you're coming through nice and nice and nice and pretty here on my computer screen and there's no like delay there's no nothing you can record the conversation for posterity uh everything is going Mason, we have to address the elephant in the room, though. We didn't do a show last week. Uh Uh Uh-oh. So, Mason, what did you do with your time off? Watched a couple movies, uh, started some books that I'm still in the middle of, just sort of generally chilled the fuck out. And I also did a lot of preparing, or a decent amount of preparing, for this week's episode. Because... Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary listeners, yep. however you, uh, your, your your pronouns, however you fit under that umbrella, or if you don't fit under that umbrella, uh, and you're a gender anarchist, you're also valid. 
But anybody listening to this show, we have a very special occasion for you today. It is the motherfucking Joelathon, baby. It is the Billy Joel spectacular. It's on the list, Billy Joel spectacular. We are talking up and down this entire episode about the man himself, William Martin Joel, born I think May. 7th, 6th, something in there. Uh, you don't know? You don't, is, you don't know when he was born? I looked it up and then I forgot. But he is the cut subject at hand today. And you may be thinking, you've heard the theme song. You know, May 9th, 1949, 71 years old, the Bronx. Thank you. The Bronx, baby. He's the a Bronx, Bronx baby. Uh, but Billy Joel... I think that if there is a, if you could say that somebody uh, is, is uh, I don't know, is overplayed, over, <laughs> this is a very popular guy is what I'm saying. It Not normally something we'd want to cover on the show, but I think this follows um, our tradition with Weezer that we started in the beginning of season two, which is, yes, people may know about Billy Joel. I mean, everybody may listen to Billy Joel, but I still think and this is my take and why I think that it's good and necessary for us to do this and why I think it fits under other parameters. I think people uh, don't give this guy enough credit, Whoa. honestly. I Whoa. think I think that he is uh, – I think he's a very uh, talented singer-songwriter, and I think um, he – if I can say one thing positively about him a, uh, to start us off, uh, has kind of a, uh, a little perfect – run of albums and songs and knew right when to get out and to kind of be like that's it i don't want to write any more studio albums except for one album of classical compositions in 2001 i'm going to release but after 1980 93 something like 93 that 93 was the last real album yeah the, the river of dreams he was like you know what people have heard enough new billy joel songs it's time just to tour with the hits yeah from now on and i think if this project was very fun to kind of go into the Billy Joel canon, do a little digging, do a little listening. And uh, I came out realizing that this guy wrote a lot of good songs. <laughs> yep, that's for damn sure, Mason. Noah, <laughs> yes, my friend, yes. my podcast co-host. Yes, chef. Uh, what is your history with the Joel man. Well, I want to William Martin Joel. I want to first uh, jump on something that you said uh, and totally agree with you. Uh, I think, and again, I can't speak for everybody our age, Mason, and I never would want to. No, that's not why we're on this show. That's no. not the point of this show. But I agree with you that I think there are people out there in our general age group who are disrespecting the Joel man. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. You literally truly. can't stand to see it. This is a a legend. You know, he literally you yes. have you have reached legend status when you do this. You have reached legend status when all you do now is you play one concert a month at one of the most storied, famous venues. Not only just in the United States, but in the entire world. And not only right. do you just play that venue once a month you sell out every single fucking yes. show chef yes that's it dude. absolutely he plays Have you seen, we, madison square garden once a month with pre-covid obviously and he yeah. sells out every single fucking show you can, the, i cannot 
think of another person except for those people who have like Vegas residencies, you know, and even right, then yeah. they're not selling out every show. Probably they probably have nights where it's like, oh, you know, Celine didn't, didn't sell out the whole back fucking of the auditorium. But Billy Joel is selling out every single show in Madison Square Garden once a month. And here's the other thing. That's the freaking MSQ, baby. That's it. It's Madison Square Garden. Whoa. That's a big stadium. That's a big place. Those are a lot of seats to fill, and Billy Joel freaking does it. Uh, we talked about this beforehand when we were setting up this episode, but uh, I think it's the listeners need to know. Yeah. Noah, have you ever seen the Joel Man live? Uh, no, and I, it really pains me to say that because it was everyone in my family, <laughs> except for my sister, <laughs> has seen him live. Uh, and I had a potential opportunity to see him live, to come back and see him in Portland when that was a thing, but it, I just couldn't make it back. There was something with school no. that really prevented me from not going to see him. Friend of the podcast, who will be coming up later in a different manner, Jack Freiberger, has seen him live. He saw him at Dodger Stadium with his mom, which was very nice. That was a little Mother's Day treat uh, from him to her and to the both of them. But I've never seen the Joel Man live, but I have a feeling you have, Mason. Yes, I have. In 2015, he uh, freak- sometimes he comes through Chicago, and he always, to my memory, plays at Wrigley Field. The best. Uh, which, if you're not familiar, that's the uh, where they make all the gum. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) but uh, but no, he came to Wrigley Field. Uh, First time I quote unquote heard him uh, was actually on the back porch of my first apartment in the city because I was hanging out there one evening and I started hearing music and I'm like, what is this? And then I started hearing Billy Joel and realizing, oh, I have a uh, it's I have a free concert, a a free tickets, free seat to this Billy Joel concert. uh, And it sounds like I'm hearing him. Uh, th- if I stuck my head underwater and had a speaker in the same room, that's kind of the quality of that sound. Whoa. But then in 2015, I believe, uh, he came around again and my friend, uh, Gia got tickets and we were in nosebleed ish seats. Nosebleed city. Uh, baby. And we got to see him. Uh, Gavin DeGraw opened for him that wow. night. He played, uh, the hits and, and then th- some, th- this is the, and then some, and this is the thing uh, that I loved about seeing him is just like realizing the kind of impact and the, the, the kind of cultural impact this guy has had. Everybody in the stadium knew every single word to every single song. 100%. And, you know, he's up there playing the songs and he's, he's sitting at the piano because, you know, he is the piano man. Of course. Uh, and the piano is rotating on the stage. And I didn't catch that at first because I was just like, you know, vibing out to the music and like closing my eyes, moving around and singing, singing my song. And I open my eyes and Billy Joel is on opposite sides oh. of the stage. The piano is on opposite sides of the stage. And I'm like, this is showmanship <laughs> <laughs> sitting on a rotating dance. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. But that was a great show. That was a great show. Uh, he put on a really good show and he did this thing where uh, – Frequently in, uh, uh, frequently as he was going along, songs would come up and he would be like, all right, we're going to play either this, that, uh, this one of these songs or the other one. And we're going to put it up to you guys to vote on which one you'd like to hear. And so we like would clap if we wanted to hear like for the longest time or the river of dreams or, or whatever. And that was fun. Little audience participation. Uh, and then way. that night. Yeah. And then the, uh, the, the cherry on top of that evening was, his Uptown Girl encore where uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Amy Schumer jumped on stage and started dancing on the piano. And I was like, 
All right, man. This is. <laughs> I think this might be me peaking. This might be the most <laughs> the important thing I ever witnessed. Yeah. I don't know. It, I'm 23 or however old. Two I'm, Chicago legends, Jennifer Two Lawrence Chicago... and Amy Schumer, <laughs> getting on top of the piano, singing with the piano man. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> Incredible, incredible. So I will say, when this COVID situation dies down, listeners, you kind of can't go wrong with the Joel Man. It's a great show, and even if you are like passingly, you, I think the other thing is you'd be surprised, listeners, if you like hear the name Billy Joel and you're like, "Fuck that guy, I don't want anything to do with him." Go to the fucking concert and sing along; you'll have a good time. Uh, but we're not here just today to wax poetic on concert experiences. We are here for to to get to the bottom of this guy. Yeah, no <laughs> to, shit. To uh, we have a um, Noah and I have through a very scientific process, which is um, looking at his uh, greatest hits. Noah did all the work actually on this one. <laughs> I was just I was just about to say and Noah and I, and the... I'm thinking to myself, hmm, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> Noah did all the work this episode, which I really appreciate. Uh, it was really great, but he uh, whittled down. Every song in the Billy Joel canon to at the top 25, and from that list, whittle it down to the top 16. And we have a little uh, June Joel Madness bracket here. I like that. I like that. (laughs) 16 best Billy Joel songs. And listeners, just for you, uh, we are going to post that bracket on social media so you can play along with us if you'd like. But for now, for the listening purposes... Noah and I are going to go through and uh, give the final word and f- come up with the reigning champion of Billy Joel songs. Noah. Yes, chef. What was your process? Before we get into the tournament itself. Yes. I'm curious if you had a, a process when looking at these selections, listening to the music, if that's what you did, of uh, how you whittled down the 16 to a final showdown and then a champion well so yes so this is the billy joel tournament of champions this is going to work just like uh march madness would except with 60 instead of having 64 teams we are going to have 16 because we're not going to sit here for three hours and try and go through you know 64 billy joel tracks and we were trying to figure out okay is 32 too much you know is it where's the line and we basically decided on 16 uh tracks because you have eight matchups and then four matchups, or no, yes, four, eight, then four, then two matchups, and then one ultimate. And it's a nice little sort of like inverted pyramid in that sense. And so mm-hmm. uh, Mason and I both, no matter how much you may think that Mason and I don't share similar tastes, the one thing that we can always agree on is that Billy Joel is the man. We're both young yes. men in our early to yes. mid-20s who love the Joel man. So uh, if you are, if there are any ladies out there in their early to mid twenties who also love the Joel Man, you know where to follow us on social media. Yes, you know where to follow us on social media. As I say in uh, a lot of episodes recently, my DMs are open. I'm always ready to hash out the Joel going back and forth. I will say, from that initial twenty five, there were some difficult uh, decisions that we had to make, like. The River of Dreams, which was a song I thought was going to end up on this bracket, uh, we unfortunately had to leave off. It's not there. 17. Not there. Uh, There were a couple others that I can't quite remember this time. I also don't have the list. Allentown, we had to cut. You're not going to be hearing Allentown. You're not going to be hearing Pressure. You know, and that was the really tough thing is that, you know, I'm going through his, like, 
greatest hits albums and I'm thinking to myself you know there's a lot of repeats obviously he has you know I have a handful two couple handfuls of insanely iconic songs but even the songs that aren't like household iconic those are still just as good and so that was absolutely that was the hardest part and so I showed Mason my list of 25 I showed him the nine that I said we can't I don't think we can include these to round it down to 16 then we had to go in and seed everything and give everything uh, a one through eight seed for its for its separate conferences and so Mm -hmm. you will be looking at the 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 bracket that we've set up I'm not going to go through it uh, you know all it all told but we will go matchup by matchup here and Mason to answer your question finally my decision process really i think in most of these there i will say like 90 percent of these were head scratchers 90 percent of these were like fuck i don't know what i'm gonna do there were about 10 percent of them where i was like pretty confident i'm like okay i'm pretty confident with this decision like i'm not gonna sit here and you know cry over spilled milk but each decision especially in that second round the elite eight as they like to call it those were where skulls were cracked and blood was spilled. Yeah. That was that was brutal. But we'll get there. But for me, my decision-making process was I would listen to each song back-to-back, each pairing, whether it was the Final Four, the Elite Eight, or the Sweet Sixteen, or even the Championship. And I would sit there and think, of these two, just in a vacuum, which one of these would I not want to lose of the two? Right. Which one of these yeah. would I be less sad if I – didn't have access to that one anymore. And that's pretty much how I made all my decisions. How, what was, what was your decision-making process? That is very close to mine. And like yours, I, there were definitely, and we'll get into this when we were like actually going through and saying our choices. There was a lot of decisions that I like kind of waffled back and forth on. If I wanted is in the, in the sweet 16, if I wanted them to move forward or not. Totally. Uh, and I'll go, I'll talk about that later, but eventually it kind of came down to like, you know, in, in the 16 seed bracket, it was more like, which do I think is going to, ha- like, put up the best fight in the next round? Oh, okay. um, it was less of a decision on kind of, like, going by my gut and then going based off, like, oh, which would I be the saddest to lose? That kind of came later in the bracket when the fighting got a little more intense. But I will say, this was a pretty deceptively uh, difficult thing. Uh, decision I will say I was like I thought going into this I was like oh clearly I'm gonna have like I thought going into this I knew what my final two were gonna be and I was pretty surprised with how where I ended up with some of these decisions I'll say I think so yeah maybe we can get into it more more when uh when we get into the actual tournament of champions but like you listen to a lot of these songs back to back and if I couldn't come to a decision um, I would switch up the order of how I listen to them. So some, let's just say, for example, if I couldn't decide between, uh, I don't know, It's Still Rock and Roll to me and The Entertainer, I would listen to the, It's Still Rock and Roll to me first and then The Entertainer second. And if I was still having difficulties, switch that up, Entertainer first, It's Still Rock and Roll to me second. Just sure. to kind of like, you know, because it's, I think I was like kind of a victim of like the context, that other sort of thing. That, and it's also one yeah, of those things a, where you're like, if I, if like, if you just hear It's Still Rock and Roll to me, and you're like vibing to it. It's really hard to be like, "Damn, I don't want to lose this." But then when you throw on the entertainer, it's the same shit. That's what makes this so hard is that each yes. are different enough, but have the same soul of the artist. That you're like, "Damn, I don't want to lose either of these." But ultimately, we did. We both made different brackets, so you're gonna hear a couple different pads here, uh, Mason. Uh, what I would like to do 
is I would like to mm-hmm. introduce each of the uh, intro- each of the bra- like uh, first matchups. We'll go matchup by matchup. I'll give a little bit of like a you know small history, and then we'll just dive in for just the round of sixteen. Then when we get to the round of eight, we can, let's just let's just get onto it and be like, okay, this is the tough blah blah blah. But I got some information for you on some of these. Is that Can't okay? Can't wait. I love. Yes. Let's just let's do all that. Um, let's get into it the billy joel 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 newary june joel madness i don't fucking know let's get into it folks we're doing it the we are june finally, we are joel jamboree <laughs> that's All it right, baby noe noe what are, are the 16 songs up for competition for the title of best billy joel song what do we have so our first here? matchup let's go our let's go our first matchup here which is starting in the eastern conference the one conference. V8 matchup, Piano Man at the one seed versus You mm-hmm. May Be Right at the eight seed. Now, Mason, I don't think yes. it is uh, strange or weird or wrong to say that Piano Man is not only one of his most iconic songs, it probably is, for all intents and purposes, his most iconic song. It is. It is. Uh, it's the song that on its Wikipedia page gets the blue text for signature song. It is oh, damn. Uh, probably the number one song when people think Billy Joel, their brain automatically connects those two, two neurons. Uh, Billy Joel, Piano Man. Uh, so that is an easy number one scene. You may be right is a little, a semi deeper cut from Glass Houses. Do I have that correct? 100%. Yeah. And I actually have glass houses on my personal list to bring on this show which i would like to cover yes just like in depth that album because that album i think is a weird transitionary point for the guy that we're not going to do the glass houses episode now but uh the song piano man is about his experiences as a lounge musician in la he escapes to la uh after he was sort of in a bad contract over in nyc and he you know, you heard the album, Mason, actually, so you can speak a little bit to this. His first album, kind of a big flop, kind of not it's successful. A huge, it's a big bummer. Um, I don't think I'd listened to the album all the way through. There was only probably a handful of songs on that that I had recognized ahead of time. One of them was the lead single and first track, uh, She's Got Away, which I think is a pretty beautiful song. Um, but everything else, I was listening to that song and just like, that album, rather, and driving around, and my takeaway from it was like, Geez, man, I'm glad whatever he was going through, he got worked out. This is kind of a this kind, of a, is kind of a bummer. Yeah, it's called Cold Spring Harbor, and that's not just because it's uh, the name of a place in Long Island. It is a cold and uh, dreary album. And I'll say, I will say though, if that's like if you're in the kind of mood for that, it is very fitting. Of it, not necessarily like wallowing stuff. Actually, yeah, I'll say it. It's a wallow album. So if you're in the mood to just kind of wallow and be in your feels. Uh, that's actually not a bad album to listen to, but there's kind of a reason why I think it has a bit of a, uh, footnote status and it is, um, nice to go from that to, uh, his second album, which I believe is just self-titled Billy Joel, Billy Joel, where we have, uh, the titular song Piano Man, uh, which, yeah, and I, that's, uh, do you want to get just get into the song Piano Man well, right now? What I wanted like, to do is I want I wanted to I wanted to get into this first matchup. We got a lot to get through, so I don't yes. kind of I don't really want to dance around here. We got a lot to talk about, and so okay. uh, for me personally, Mason, yeah. I know I said ninety yeah. percent of these were really head scratchers and tough. This yeah. one wasn't. I got to be honest with no. you. This one no, was really not. easy um, for me. What about you? 
No, this one was incredibly easy. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, you maybe write a really fun, great rockin' song, but it does not stand, it does not stand a chance against the piano man. That's how I went with this one. 100%. Uh, did you go the same way? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the, it's, it, 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 you may be right is a very good song in every respect. Uh, it happened to be going up against the most iconic Billy Joel song of all time. And as you know, yeah. and as our listeners know, not always does the number one seed mean easiest road into the final four in the real March Madness. But in this mm-hmm. first round, in this 1v8 matchup in the Sweet 16, very easy. It was a bit of a route. Uh, you might be right, got a little embarrassed on the court at one end. At one point, they started dribbling, <laughs> then they scored in their own basket. It wasn't a pretty yeah. game. So for <laughs> me, in my bracket, Piano Man easily moves on to the next round. Definitely. Me too. All right, this next one. This one, I don't want to speak for you, but this one was a really easy choice for me. Uh, for me personally, it is um, number four seed, Miami 2017, open parentheses, saw the lights go down on Broadway, close parentheses, versus number five seed, She's always a woman from The Stranger 1977's breakthrough album for the Joel Man. This was easy for me because um, people that follow me on Instagram and Noah know, Miami 2017 uh, is my favorite Billy Joel song. It's the one that I listen to and re-listen to the most. And uh, so that was an easy trounce for me over She's Always a Woman, which... Honestly, I'm not that big of a fan of, so it was kind of okay for me to see that go. And I will also uh, caveat that point that I made, the uh, that Miami 2017 is my favorite Billy Joel song. I will also, to your point, does not necessarily mean that does not necessarily mean that this is how the bracket is going to end up. I'm not going to say one way or the other, but I'm just saying. You're being a this fucking a stinker to the fans this right This is now. a difficult choice. Noah, how did you, Noah, how did you uh, come up with, uh, how did this this seed in the tournament shake out for you. So this is a four V five. This is a four V five matchup. And uh, in real life, those four V five matchups in real life, it's, you know, normally like an eight V nine when you have a field of, uh, when you have a field of 64 teams, those are mm. the, the most competitive games in theory. You know what I mean? Like those right. are teams that are very close to each other uh, in stature. You and I were talking. And although I know that Miami 2017 is your favorite personal Billy Joel song, I did not think it could go any higher than a number four seed to give it a little bit more ease in the tournament. Um, I also think that she's always a woman. Arguably, you could flip these seeds. I think that she's always a woman. They're very different songs as well. They're very different. She's always a woman is this, you know, almost ballad about just how beautiful this woman is and how much he's in love uh, with this woman. I got some facts for you about both these songs, Mason. Are you ready? Give me the facts. So Give she, me the facts. <laughs> She's Always a Woman was wrote about and for his then wife, Elizabeth Weber. Weber, not 100% sure on that last name pronunciation, but it was mm-hmm. a straight up love song. This is like the kind of thing that uh, sad guys do for their girlfriends when they're in love. They write them a song. <laughs> and uh, he did that with Elizabeth Weber. Weber, um, And uh, unfortunately, they're no longer together. So good song, Billy. But um, uh, for Miami 20. 20- 2017 it's a little bit of it's actually almost like a different it's like the complete opposite uh note because at the time that he was writing this song which was in the mid 70s new york city was at the lowest of lows that a city of that caliber has seen especially in the u.s it was in the fucking shitter he was in l.a yeah there's a classic uh i believe new york post headline uh when 
So there's a great chapter in Rick Perlstein's book, The Invisible Bridge, about the years between um, oh, uh, the starting. The book starts in Watergate and ends right before uh, Jimmy Carter is elected president. And there's a long section in there um, about the bankruptcy of New York during this time. And uh, Gerald Ford didn't want to help out. And the people of New York being people from New York. Uh, I believe it was the New York Post had the headline, Ford to New York, Drop Dead. So that is where New York City was at this point. And Billy Joel, um, still in L.A., Turnstiles is kind of his um, album that he wrote about moving back home to New York, uh, is written from the perspective of uh, somebody that, it's kind of like this apocalyptic scenario, um, and written from the perspective of somebody living in the year 2017, so... Of the recent past for us and recounting this uh apocalyptic like just the destruction of new york uh it's very bombastic it's very exciting i think and i there's some incredible imagery uh probably the best imagery i think is in his entire catalog um it, uh so in terms of just the song craft here which is why it speaks to me i listen to this song a lot during the beginning of the uh quarantine period because i was listening to this and i was just like this is a song about uh surviving through uh a cataclysmic and terrible event totally and i just kind of needed like that little bit of comfort and security uh during like the during march of that uh, of this year well i was like you know this is a scary confusing time but you know i have this billy joel song that reminds me uh we survive we move forward and that's why it's really resonant for me but speaking uh, of which if you have yeah. netflix.com <gasps> at your disposal okay i'm wa- making okay. my way through it right now check out neon I'm, genesis I'm evangelion can you hear me Mason? okay okay some yes i can hear you some some, okay. some freaking some freaking noah's recommending some freaking weeb <laughs> shit uh, i do actually <laughs> like that show a lot i can't i can't i've seen like two or three anime things and uh neon genesis evangelion is one of them so i'll also throw a little recommendo for that in the middle of the but it's the same here. it's the same thing as uh miami 2017 in that you know these people are recovering after a cataclysmic incident and uh the the what's so amazing about Billy Joel is you kind of get to see it in both these two songs going head to head in Miami 2017. This is a memory play. This is somebody we're looking back and remembering. He, literally, the first lines are, "I've seen the lights go out on Broadway." That's you know we're already talking about someone remembering the past. Whereas she's always a woman is about mm-hmm. the very present. It's about a woman that he is in love with. And he can't get enough of her, and it's like he's always being followed around by this woman. It's beautiful storytelling on both fronts. But, Mason, I took your side on this. Miami Miami 2017 moves on to the next round. Shall we move on to our next matchup? Next matchup. Number three, it's still rock and roll to me versus the number six seed, The Entertainer. Now, this one, for me... Big fucking head scratches on this one. Oh, Mason. really? Yes. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Tell me more about it, Chef. Yeah. So it's still rock and roll to me and the entertainer are very interesting because they are essentially at their core the same song. And I'll explain yes. that to you. I'll explain I'll explain that to you guys. The entertainer is a I would argue a very different type of song from Billy Joel than we normally get. It's a little bit colder. 
it's a little bit more cynical than we're used to hearing, which cynical cynicism isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think a lot of people like to poo-poo cynicism. I don't think it's always necessarily a bad thing. And I don't think it's a bad thing here because I feel like in this song, The Entertainer, the number six seed in this matchup, he is taking ownership over the kind of music that he likes to make and making a statement Mm -hmm. about what he likes to make versus what's being played on the radio. And this is in the mid-70s. Fast forward five years to 1980 when it's still rock and roll to me comes out and it's the same song but about mtv and the new generation of music and how music is being looked at with music videos we're predating mtv by a little bit but it's that general idea of i can't be played on the radio anymore once again this happened five years ago but ironically enough mason this album excuse me not this album this song it's still rock and roll to me Sold over a million copies and went platinum and was his first number one hit. Well, she, she sure freaking showed those those MTV video jockeys. He sure freaking showed Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> he sure freaking showed... Uh, the Buggles. Uh, <laughs> he sure showed the moon landing who was boss. Fuck, bro. Fuck. But that's what we got going on between these two. We got sort of a yeah. a, a master, a sensei, and a young uh, warrior in The Entertainer, <laughs> and it's still rock and roll to me. The Entertainer being the sensei, and it's still rock and roll to me being the uh, new warrior, the new recruit, the protege. Mason, what do you yes. got for me about this? What was your thought process on this? So one? I love your read on that because I had the same thought when I was listening to both of these. These are uh, spiritually very similar songs. Um, the Entertainer was written, uh, it's from the album Street Life Serenade, which uh, is an L.A. period Billy Joel album. And it's early enough in his career that I listen to this song and I read it like, your read is correct, this is a very cynical song, and I think you're also correct that it, it's uh, not necessarily a bad thing, it's just a facet of the song, right? And I think that um, Billy Joel can get cynical at times. And I think later in the uh, bracket, uh, you will see, uh, I, I might come back to this later in the bracket. Whoa. Um, but I like the the entertainer. Uh, you, we're describing it as cynical and this and that and the other thing. I love this song because it just has this incredible, uh, just, it, it's, it's this nonstop just, crazy like jig energy totally. to it it's a great point. um and yeah and that's um versus it's still rock and roll to me which is i i love the kind of context around it like you said but that's a much more uh if you could say sort of contemplative number and it's him just being like you know still rock and roll to me saying what's the matter with this clothes i'm wearing can't you tell that your tie's too white you know <laughs> there's a it's very i think outwardly focused in a way that i is not very uh i don't think constructive and it's a little bit of a detriment for the song for me so in this bracket i am moving the entertainer forward the entertainer wow. wins for me this round a little Noah, bit a little bit of a upset i would say a little bit of an upset as I, far as the seating is concerned i'd agree this is a number six seed i don't think anybody if this is uh, in on a lot of people's radars in terms of billy joel songs i also don't think that street like serenade is on a lot of people's radars in terms of albums but another one i listen to all the way through and i gotta say a lot of really fucking good songs on that one, folks. Uh, Noah, uh, what, where, uh, what's moving forward for you from this from this bracket? So, the Entertainer was one of the first Billy Joel songs that I would consider to be one of the deep cuts of his that I heard, like quote unquote sure. deep cuts. You know, this was like 
Yeah, you know, sure. After I had heard the big boys, New York State of Mind, Piano Man, you know, the really big songs, I heard The Entertainer and I was like, oh, damn, this song fucking slaps. And like you said, it's got a great energy through it. I love when he says uh, something, 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 hand in my pants when he talks about literally I learned to dance a, with a hand in my pants and I rub the neck and I write him a check, check and I go there merry way. It's got a great momentum to it but it's still rock and roll to me has a great build to it it starts out very small almost like a doo-wop song almost like they mm-hmm. has that like feeling to it like grease uh and then it gets into like a full-on like bruce springsteen you have a saxophone solo in there it's awesome so this to me was extremely tough but mason you and I are three mm-hmm. for three because the entertainer moves on for me. Would you look at this? This is the most I think we've agreed on anything ever. This is big for I us. I love it. So I love yeah. it. This is great. A, uh, a six seed beating a three seed. All of our picks are the same as of now, and so I... we can move on to our, uh, our last matchup of the Western Conference bracket. Okay. All right. So remember when I said that there were a couple of these that I waffled on? Yes. I really meant there was one of these brackets that I waffled on, and it was this one. Whoa. I could not... Until I gave myself a deadline, come up with the winner for this bracket. So you have number two seed, New York State of Mind, and number seven seed, Captain Jack, also from that self-titled 1970, I believe, three album, same album Piano Man is on. Now, you were saying a little bit ago, very briefly ago, The Entertainer was your first, quote-unquote, deep-cut Billy Joel song. Yes. Captain Jack was more or less mine. Uh, There was a friend of mine. I've lost touch with them. I don't know what they're up to, and... You know, if they find this podcast out in the wild, I hope they're well. Reach out to me. All that good stuff. We would, uh, they would pick me up and we would drive around. And they had such a deep, um, this is my friend Yvonne, and they had such a deep well of knowledge of music and stuff. They were the first, the person that gave me the uh, uh, Velvet Underground CD. Nice. That we talked about with Jack Freiberger. And we were in the car driving around once and they put on Captain Jack. And, nice. Uh, was Captain like, Jack Freiberger. Uh, Captain Jack Freiberger. Hey, Jack Freiberger. Hope you're doing well out there, bud. <laughs> uh, but they put this song on. I was listening along, and I was vibing along. And this is another song that's um, – you talk about how it's still rock and roll to me. has a build over its entire yeah. uh, runtime. This song builds from verse to chorus. Then it goes back down to verse and then up to chorus and then down again. And also speaking of the Velvet Underground – in that episode, we talked about how the song uh, Heroin was a very scary song. Yes. You never want to do heroin. Yes. Captain Jack makes heroin sound like the most fun thing you could ever do. <laughs> and that is not – I'm not going to say that's the problem with the song. That is the 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 secret of the song is that yes. you have to do a close listen on this to realize yes. this is just as scary as heroin by the Velvet Underground. This is a song about um, – what I love about this is I think heroin is one of those drugs that has a mystique about like, you know, rock and roller rock and rollers use it a lot. Um, and it killed a lot of rock and roll rock and rollers. Uh, but what I love about this song is that the protagonist of this song is such a fucking loser and nothing's yep. going right for him. And the only thing he has in his life is, um, the fact that he's doing heroin. And, and jacking off. Is the only thing in his room. And jacking off. Uh, yes, it is a it's a Billy Joel song that has a masturbation reference, and for that we have no choice but to stand. But it's going up against New York State of Mind, which Mo- monumental uh, number t- song. Number two seed. I. It's it's. There's there's what. Here's the thing about songs about New York. I think 
uh, there's about like five of them that have ever been written, and I feel like they're all the secret theme song to the to the city. Like I, um, New York State of Mind, I believe he wrote. And if you did research on this, can you back me up? He wrote this as a response to friend of the show Randy Newman's song "I Love L.A." Um, I don't know about that. Do I have that actually, right? I don't know if that's true actually, or not. I don't know if that's true either. I read that somewhere <laughs> a couple years ago, and I didn't think to look it up. So don't again, don't use this podcast as a source in any of your papers. But the thing about New York State of Mind, I Love L.A. is a really great, funny song. Also, like all Randy Newman songs, very quietly satirical and is actually about the opposite of yes. um, what it's, you think it's about. New York State of Mind is a very earnest um, love song to the city of New York. And it's a lovely song, I think, really incredibly written. And there's such a, a deep, um, a beating heart and an actual uh, uh, a love for the city of New York that just comes through, that makes it this this classic and this, like you said, monumental song. Uh, Noah, what are your thoughts on either New York State of Mind or Captain Jack? So I meant to say this when we were talking about Miami 2017 as well, so I'll talk about that as well. Uh, because it's very related to what I'm about to say about New York State of Mind. Um, obviously, New York is, you know, it's where a lot of people come for the first time when they're entering America. You know, a lot of yes. people uh, enter through Ellis Island, or at least did back in the day. It's an extremely eclectic space. Uh, if you've ever had the chance to visit, you know you could turn one block and be in a predominantly Puerto Rican neighborhood. And then you can go a couple streets down and you'd be in a predominantly Italian neighborhood. You know, it is just so diverse and so mixed. And I really do feel like this song really, I'm not going to say more than any song about New York, but it really does give you that feeling of like, I fucking love this fucking city, bro. You know, <laughs> this is a fucking city, man. It really kind of does <laughs> give you that feeling. City. And I think that yeah. the, uh, I think that that is something that when you look at it through the context of what happened, uh, during September 11th, 2001, this song became, you know, a, it was like what that what those people were doing with this song is what Billy Joel was doing in The Entertainer, where they're claiming onto that as like, yeah, we're tough, we're gonna get through this. This is a national, you know, tragedy, but it hit right here close to home, and we are tough, and we're gonna get through this. And I can't imagine, much like the film Twenty Fifth Hour, which came out, you know, in and around the nine eleven uh, tragedy, uh, I can't imagine what this song meant to those people, like right. in and around that time. Now. Right. On a personal, and that's just that's just to the power of the song. Like that just is a testament yeah, to yeah, the staying power of the song. On a personal note, this was a very easy one for me, actually, Mason. Okay. Uh, because oh, okay. I don't really like New York State of Mind very much. To be totally honest with you. No, are we about to go four for four here? <laughs> We're about to go four for four because I respect New York State of Mind. It's a very beautiful song but it is never the Billy Joel song that I'm going for. If I had to pick between these two, which ones I'd rather listen to, I'm going uh -huh. Captain Jack. And so that is why the biggest upset of the tournament so far is Captain Jack beating New York State of Mind. That I – Chef, I love you. I love that you did that because I was – I made a Spotify playlist of each of the songs in the conference just for the, first, the Sweet 16, uh, each bracket basically. And going through, you know, it was easy. Took off You May Be Right after listening to Piano Man. Took off She's Always a Woman after listening to Miami 2017. Took off It's Still Rock and Roll to Me. Kept these last two songs on. And what I did was I took them off and put them back on, kind of depending on my mood. 
and I realized that I missed Captain Jack more than New York State of yep. Mind, even though I have such a deep respect for New York State of Mind. All I would want to do is listen to Captain Jack because, uh, I don't know, that's another song that I love by him because it just, it's... Um, it's wild. It's wild, it's ironic, it's it's so funny. It's also not necessarily a song that you expect him to write, I don't think. Even though it has a lot of the, the hallmarks of Billy Joel, it's also a very big song um very elaborately produced um but it does the thing that i i think that uh i realized about billy joel um that i loved about him so much is that he's so good when he's on and putting you in a place you know what i'm saying and that could be at a uh a rooftop piano bar for piano man it could be uh in new york during the apocalypse and with captain jack he creates such a, a specific character, but there's a remove to it. It's yes. written more or less in the second character. So in this, all you are doing is like looking down on this pathetic person as they go through their miserable life and, and indulge in the one good thing that they have, which is shooting up heroin. And you know what it is? It's, it's, it's so funny. It's so peculiar. It's so, uh, sad and uh, awful in a lot of ways, but you know what? I I can't I can't in good conscience have New York State of Mind beat it because uh, I'm with you, man. I mean, I'm not from New York. I respect it as a city. I've only been there once. I want to go back. I'd love to spend more time in New York so I can get the get the the big city vibe. But it's never been a place that has had that close of an attachment. I know that if you're from there, it's the most important thing in the fucking world. Yep. Um, but that's just not me. And I'm okay for it to uh, to uh, just uh, to to do its do its time and then uh, take a seat on the bench. So that is, I believe, the Eastern Conference of this bracket. Western so Conference, we my moved, friend. We're moving Western into Conference. the. We're moving. We put New York in the Western Conference as a funny bit. Haha. <laughs> we're moving <laughs> into the Eastern Conference. So with... We're moving into the Eastern Conference. So moving forward, we have Piano Man, Miami 2017, The Entertainer, and Captain Jack. All right, Chef. Let's go into the Eastern Conference real quick. What do we so, got in our number one seat up here? So in our number one versus number eight seat, well, first of all, let me just set the scene for you real quick on that last turn, on that last win that we just had, Captain Jack beating New York State of Mind. You had like a big powerhouse school like UConn or Kentucky, something like that coming in versus like a Virginia Commonwealth or like a Eastern uh, Washington or something like that. And Eastern Washington comes in and kicks the shit out of Kentucky. And you're like, holy shit, how did that happen? I just witnessed something. But then in the second half, the, little, the big school comes back and you think, uh-oh, is it going to be able to beat the little school? And it doesn't. And that's what that last matchup was. <laughs> that's what that last matchup was. So, but moving on from that, we have the number one versus number eight seed in the Eastern Conference. And this is, this is one that, you know, this, might, this song may have had a good season and that's why it's sitting at number one. There's some other songs mm-hmm. here that you could uh, put at number one if you really wanted to. But Mason and I, you, des- you and I decided that this song would sit at the number one spot of the Eastern Conference. And that is yes. Moving Out versus Big Shot. And Moving Out yes. is a kind of, he kind of returns to this theme a little bit. He returns to this theme of like the lower class guy shooting for something more than he ever thinks is possible. And that's kind of what this song is about. You know, he's got all the characters that you're familiar with. Mr. Cacciatore, you know, he's got all those characters and he's like, he has these dreams to, you know, make it big, even though 
uh, he's not in that same class. And I don't know if you know this, Mason. I'm pretty sure you do because we've talked about it off mic, so I already know the answer here. But <laughs> there, is the a, there is a terrible musical called Moving Out, which is a Billy yep. Joel jukebox like musical, basically, that my grandmother and my sister have seen. And they said it was so bad they didn't even have a live orchestra. This was a professional like production. They just played the track, the karaoke tracks off the PA system. How embarrassing is that? Not only as a professional production, but for the Joel Man himself. What a waste. And there is a song called You Oughta Know by Das Racist, which is features and samples the You Oughta Know By Now part mm-hmm. of Moving Out, which is a great sample and a great song in its own right. And then you have Big Shot, which I originally put at the seven seed because I am a fan of Big Shot. I think Big Shot is a like little bit of a rockin' tune. It's probably my dad's favorite billy joel song like that's like a song that like definitely like a dad would put on and be like this is awesome and it supposedly is about mick jagger's first wife bianca jagger but billy denies it billy says i've never even met the woman herself so okay you have two there i would say very different teams songs going up against each other yeah you have is with moving out um you have uh, I'll say with Big Shot, rather, this is more the point that I have. This is a much more, uh, much scrappier song, much totally. heavier. Uh, moving Out uh, is a much more kind of mid-tempo, a lot more contemplative, lot like Captain Jack, like a lot of his other, like a lot of his songs, I would say. Very observant. Um, there's great characters in here. It also has one of my favorite pieces of, uh, one of my favorite lyrics ever, which is, uh, Mr. Cacciatore's down on Sullivan Street. Yep. It's just such a pleasing phrase to me. It gives you, it brings a smile to my face anytime I hear it. And that's moving out. Uh, was this a difficult one for you? This was a big difficult one for me. This was a this if this was a game that had to be played live, this would be a very close call for the number one seed. This would be a game in which they kind of were cocky, they were sure of themselves. The other, the smaller market team, maybe it's like a, like a, like New Mexico State or something. Like a Wesleyan is, or like a DeVry <laughs> University. Yes, or you like have an ITT Tech. <laughs> you have ITT Tech going up yeah. against, uh, going up against like Oklahoma or something. Just this big sure. power, not Oklahoma, that's a shitty, uh, that's a shitty one. But like, you, like UCLA or something. You have ITT Tech going up against UCLA. UCLA is so confident, so cocky. They basically went undefeated the whole season. There's nothing that's going to stop them. But wait a second. ITT Tech is playing some of the best team basketball that UCLA has seen all fucking season, Mason. And I could not believe how close this one got, Mason. But. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. There is a reason why UCLA is one of the number one powerhouse colleges for college basketball in the country, and it's because they know how to fucking win games in the fourth quarter. So I have to give my win here to Moving Out by Mr. William Joel. It is All right. too fun and too iconic and too like interesting of a world that he builds for me to be able to take it over Big Shot. Big Shot is fun. It's like you're doing coke and you're in a limo, but I need my moving out. What did you think? All right. So let's talk about this game. UCLA versus ITT Tech. In yep. my universe, same thing is going on. You have this powerhouse team trained all year. 
the, the, kid, the kids of millionaires are playing on the team. They have access to the best equipment, the best coaches, the best uh, the best training, the best all that, that the rest regiments. They can keep their body in, in yep. peak physical condition. Uh, but Big Shot got to this point in the tournament by sheer force of will. They yep. are not going to go down without a fucking fight. So yep. like you, this is a close shot. But for me, in my fourth quarter, at the buzzer, Big Shot Whoa. nailed a three. From across huge the court upset in one your by bracket. one huge upset in my bracket i was honestly surprised but there's such a just ragged energy a ragged fuck you pay me energy to big shot that it's just it's it's just i listen to that song and i just feel so powerful and again it's not like you listen to this and the main character is the big shot the main character in this book, in this, I'm sorry, the main character in this song is someone that has a chip on their shoulder versus against somebody who tried and failed. Um, and again, like you pointed out with Moving On, that's a, a common character in a Billy Joel song. Somebody who's striving for something greater, something more than themselves, um, to go that extra mile, you know. Uh, but in Big Shot, you get to see, you get to be in the position of uh, someone who's watching somebody step on other people i think in order to achieve that and it just feels so good when they uh crash and fall on their face and come begging back to you and you just got to be like sorry man nothing i can do to help you here you're on your own you want to be a big shot did you had to open up your mouth and i don't know man i love that scrappy uh just just streetwise um just ragged jagged fucking energy so that's why it's moving forward for me so damn first split of the bracket but i do i do want to say i'm so sad to see moving out uh disappear moving out is moving out because it is no longer (laughs) a viable candidate for the championship in your bracket but that's yes we have a 4v5 which traditionally are some of the closest uh matchups here but uh well let me first say this let me first say this before we get into the actual matchup the actual game how the game went down let me just say this Number four versus number five. Number four, we didn't start the fire. And number five's Uptown Girl. We didn't start the fire. I'm sure you've heard this song before. This is the headline song. This is the song Mm -hmm. that if you are able to sing the whole thing at a party, you will get your dick sucked. This is the party trick song. Yes, you will. (laughs) (laughs) This was also his... Number a number one hit of his. This was his final number one hit. And Mason, I have a little bit of Billiam Joel trivia for you. Are you ready? Are you up to the Ooh, task? Ooh, some Billy Joliam trivia. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, here you go. Just answer the fucking question. Okay. So, like I said previously in the show, he had a number one hit. That number one hit mm-hmm. was his first number one hit. It's still rock and roll to me. Then he has another number one hit, and then he has this last number one hit. And we didn't start the fire. Do you know what the last, the, the middle number one hit was, which is his third and final number one hit of his career? Mm, so it goes, it's still rock and roll to me, and then it goes, mystery song. Spray, we, we didn't mystery song, and then it goes, we didn't start the fire. Yes, so it's I think between. You have, you're gonna pull a, you're gonna pull a Joker's trick. Is it Uptown Girl? It is not Uptown Girl, but it is a good guess. Dang. It is another. It is a song about a girl, but it is Tell Her About It from An Innocent Man, 1983. Interesting. That's not a song that gets com- that comes up a lot in the Joel conversation, if you ask me. I can't even tell you if I know how that goes. And that was a number one that's very curious. I think very it had a lot indeed. to do uh, with the MTV 
play of it because Billy Joel, as you know, oh, fuck, we didn't put this song on the bracket. I kind of forgot about this song. Have you ever seen the music video to Keeping the Faith by Billy Joel? I don't believe so, actually. I was going to talk about the music video for Sometimes a Fantasy, but we can talk about the music video for Keeping the Faith. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what it is, but I just remember it being corny as hell and thinking, like, why is the Joel man doing a corny as hell music video? And then you remembered, oh, the only way that people were really listening to music, at least of a certain demographic, was on MTV. An Innocent mm. Man comes out in 1983. It's like, right as, like, fucking MTV's blowing up. That's two years after it's released on TV. So you have to imagine that like he's gotten to do some corny shit and tell her about it. It's like eighties Joel. So you win some, you lose some yeah, with eighties Joel. You do. You do. You honestly, you do. I will say nonstop streak in the seventies with the Joel May. You get to the eighties. It gets a little tricky. It gets a little tricky. At least in my opinion, uh, the music video for sometimes a fantasy is uh, Billy Joel uh, trying to uh, do phone sex with the lady and striking out. So it's fun. You should watch it. Damn. Let's talk about this bracket. We didn't start the fire versus Uptown Girl, uh, the song that uh, conjured Jennifer Lawrence and Amy Schumer into a hot on a hot Chicago night in 2015. Damn. We love that. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, fucking brilliant. Honestly, um, this was not this was not hard for me. Truthfully, this, this was not a hard, hard one for me either. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what's it going to be for you? <laughs> so this was one of those games where you think, oh, it's going to be really competitive, and then all of a sudden, like, one of those, like, mid-tier schools, like a University of Oregon basketball program is just – it's just shooting the lights out. <laughs> I love out. these metaphors, Chef. Keep them up. Keep them up. <laughs> it's like shooting the lights out from three. One of these kids is having, like, a game of the season. It gets him drafted, like, early second round into the NBA draft. Defeats another, like, mid-tier basketball school, like, uh, uh, like an NC State or something like that. And, you know, NC State – it's just having an off game. There's nothing really happening there. And, of course, in my, in my imagination, uh, NC State is Uptown Girl. I'm not really a big fan of Uptown Girl, to be totally honest with you. It's cute. It's fun. It was written about Elle McPherson and then, you know, transitioned into Christy Brinkley that they ended up, you know, getting married and stuff. But when you're going up against We Didn't Start the Fire, which is, like, one of the most iconic songs of all time. People, for forget whatever reason, oh, forget about it. I with you, man. Uptown Girl, uh, I was okay to see that go. Honestly, not a huge fan of it. it. Like you said, it's cute. We didn't start the fire for almost as long as I've been like reading, uh, like when I was a kid and reading like, oh, the most, the worst songs of all times list. It's we didn't start the fire. Always ends up on it, and I've always been so fucking confused why that's so the case. Silly. The song fucking rocks. It 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 rules. Yeah, you called it the headline song, but it's uh, where else are you gonna get the entire uh. uh the history of the 50s through the 80s in a like a four minute span uh you get the lyric my my favorite lyric in this is uh richard nixon back again because uh <laughs> yeah that guy was the vice president and then he came back to to commit crimes and be the president so uh that's it just it rocks it doesn't i don't think it takes itself super seriously i think that's a knock against it is that it takes itself uh super seriously but it's just like the song ends with him going, uh, something, something, Cola Wars, I can't take it anymore. Like, the thing that gets him to give up on culture or whatever is the Coke v. Pepsi Wars of the mid to late 80s. And that is one of the funniest things in the world to me. So, easy for that one to move forward. It's also a song, it's also a song that, like, you know, whether you want to say it's gimmicky or not, I think you, it's fair to say it's a gimmicky song, but it doesn't stick with the fact that the gimmick is sort of writing it out. I think that the fact that he is able as a songwriter and as a musician to go from headline to headline while still making it interesting and fun is an yeah. accomplishment. 
within itself. And I like that it's not just political events either. It's like you get the names of celebrities in here. and Davy Crockett uh, or whatever. Yeah, Davy Crockett, Grace Kelly, uh, Princess Grace shows up. Princess Grace, da, 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 trouble in the Suez, you know. It it, it, it has this, I you think. Know. <laughs> you, know, you know, trouble that, in that the little, Suez. Yeah, that little chestnut, children of thalidomide. I think it's a more holistic view of culture at that time than people necessarily give it credit to. It doesn't go in depth, but I don't think it necessarily it's needs to. It's not the point. To. It's not the point. It's just to be like, here is what I remember from my childhood up until the present day in like 1989 or something at that point. And it's like, I think for what it accomplishment, uh, what it is after it like just knocks it out of the fucking park. So that was an easy advance for me. All right. Are we ready to move on to the number two seed versus the number seven seed? We got only the good die young and my life. And I was, I wasn't very interested because I put only the good die young at the number two seed thinking mason is going to argue with me about this one being at the number two seed but you weren't really that argumentative with me you were pretty much like i can see why that would be a two seed like you were very much like in line with that so thank you for letting me put that at the two seed i uh, this was i will say like you like you were saying how you thought that maybe you knew how certain things were going to go down uh this 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 matchup was a little bit different for me uh, as far as that. I think that this one, I kind of had a very clear idea of how it was going to go down. I had a certain idea about one of the songs in this matchup, kind of in the grand scheme of the tournament. I was like, this could be like a dark horse pick for me, potentially. Right. Like, this is a team to watch. No one's talking about this yes. track, yes. you know, and right. it ends up yeah. sort of sneaking in there. I'm not going to say which one it is because I want to give you some fast facts first, Mason. May I? Fast facts let's get some facts in the chat baby let's get some facts going Maybe so we'll put a facts sound effect sh- under, under that <laughs> listen so listen to me so only the good only the good die young uh is basically his highway to hell in a lot of ways like it's basically his version of just being like look life is fun uh if you let it you don't have to take yourself too seriously and he kind of just wants to fuck this girl who's catholic and it might have pissed a lot of catholic people off and it's fun as hell. This was used. This used to be my favorite Billy Joel song. Believe it or not, I see that honestly. That's a good. Cho- that's a good choice. Uh, past Noah, if you ask me, I think that's the thing. So before we had our first Zoom call to kind of come up with the bracket and the seating of this, I had taken a long walk and listened to The Stranger, the nineteen seventy-seven breakthrough, al- more or less breakthrough album for Mr. Joel here. And on that walk, I was. It came to Only the Good Die Young, which comes a little later in the track list. It's a side B track. And it came on, and the piano line starts up, and I'm just like, is this the best song ever written? Yeah, baby. I don't know. It's kind of undeniable. And uh, like sometimes a fantasy, this is another, I think, uh, running thread in the Billy Joel song canon. A lot of songs about dudes striking out, trying to talk to women. Yep. And I think that that's a pretty – and here it's – I think, again, this is another song where the lyrics are just so fun and clever. They There's, are. I'd rather laugh, with the sin- ra- rather laugh with the sinners than die with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. Uh, you didn't count on me when you were counting on your rosary. Uh, and it doesn't. you don't get any indication that this guy is getting anywhere in the proximity of uh, getting this girl to go out with him, which I think is such a great concept for a song and so funny. My Life is a song that I listen to a lot um, in a past life. And I thought that that was going to be 
looking at this bracket, I thought it was going to be a much more difficult fight just because there was a point in my life when I was just doing kind of nothing but listening to the song, honestly. I guess it was like kind of my Only the Good Die Young in that way. Um, it's a very, uh, it's also uh, the theme song to the Those Tom Hanks sitcom. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for pointing that out. Uh, but it's a song, uh, this is another song that I love, just the kind of world that it creates. Uh, got a got a couple of old friends. We used to be real close. So they couldn't go on the American way. So the house, all that setting up this like kind of, I don't know. It's like a brighter sort of Cassavetes movie, a kind of a brighter, I think, indie like kind of drama. That's about interesting. Lives, movings, lives, movings in other directions. Um, what do you think about the song? My life. Um, I always got it mixed up with the song. Why should I worry? Which is a great Billy Joel track, but it is from Oliver and company. Uh, yeah. so, uh, <laughs> I don't know why that's a rule now. If it's in Oliver and company, it can't, be <laughs> yes. the but, uh, yeah, no, I was going to say the same, uh, things. I like my life. You know, my life is a good song. It's very interesting. I like the way you put that. It's like a brighter Cassavetes. That's a very interesting, uh, comparison. Chicago members Peter Cetera and Donnie Dacus, Dacus, I'm not 100% sure on the pronunciation there, performed backing vocals during the part where it says, keep it to yourself, it's my life. That's a little mm. tidbit of information there. Um, uh, this wasn't very hard for me, ultimately. You know, it was an entertaining game. Uh, yeah. Both teams had really good players. Uh, I just think that one of these teams had more good players than the other one. So for me... It was a little bit of a competitive game for a while, but in that second half, this is it. it kind of the, the, this other team blew the doors wide open, and only the good die young moves on for me. No questions asked. Yeah, same thing for me here. Uh, very happy to see this this team advance because it's just I don't know. I feel like for as popular of a Billy Joel track this is, I kind of feel like it might be a little undervalued. I think it's a little might slept be a little on, underrated little slept on i think if you, you listen to this song and you don't have a good time then uh get your freaking pulse check if you ask me all right so here is i think the most difficult bracket this last matchup here we have really? number three seed okay at least for me scenes from italian restaurant and number six seed vienna um both tracks from the stranger noah do you have some facts for us on either of these songs? <laughs> you bet your fucking ass I do, Mason. That's my fucking Yeehaw. job. Yeehaw, so, baby. Number three seed scenes from an Italian restaurant. Uh, th- this, like you said, it's from The Stranger. Uh, the Stranger had mad heat. Yeah, I think I think it's it's his best, like probably album as far as bangers it are definitely concerned. Has the, yeah, and it definitely has the most um, representation on this bracket, at least. I think there's four songs from The Stranger on here. Um, and I actually, speaking of Jack Freiberger, friend of the podcast, friend of the show, uh, on his birthday, uh, back in September of 2019, we went to Barney's Beanery in Pasadena, California, and Jack sang scenes from an Italian restaurant at the karaoke, which is a great song. It's seven and a half minutes long. And I got (laughs) up on stage with him and did the Brenda and Eddie section because I was like, damn, I got to get up there and do the Brenda and Eddie section with you. And then we got off the stage and the guy running karaoke just said, okay, no more seven minute songs. (laughs) (laughs) Straight up. Like he was pissed the fuck off. And so, uh, it's kind of broken up into certain sections. You would have, you know, the part in the beginning where he's kind of talking about, the restaurant and talking about someone that he's meeting at the restaurant gives you a sort of idea yeah, about what that yeah. place means. And then you have this transition where the, his, this, this speaker's life or potentially someone else's life is starting to be in transition. He has to go away from this restaurant. His life is moving very fast. You have a piano solo 
And then you get into the basically the meat of the song, which is this story of Brenda and Eddie, which I always thought it was Render and Eddie. I always thought it was like when you're rendering. Render and Eddie. I always thought it was Render and Eddie. Like if you were like rendering like a like a movie something or like a, a special effect on a movie or whatever. But like uh, you have that, and then you go back to the restaurant, and it all sort of comes full circle. It's kind of a weird song to talk about without having heard it. Like it's it's not doesn't really yeah, make definitely. a lot of sense if you don't haven't heard it before. But like. Uh, it's just a nice little song. And then here we go with Vienna. Uh, this is, he, he is quoted, Mr. Joel is quoted as saying that this is one of two of his favorite songs of his own personal work for him. And I believe the other one scenes from an Italian restaurant, right? Like I just, I read that not too long ago. See, I have something different. I was going to ask you if you knew, but it's, I have it as Summer Highland Falls, which is a song I don't know. I don't know that either. Interesting. Okay. Uh, that is very, uh, that's very interesting. And you know what? I think it kind of makes sense. Uh, but yeah, so Vienna is a much different, um, vibe than scenes from the Italian oh, restaurant. Scenes from the, an doubt. Italian restaurant is like a sea, uh, a suite of scenes, um, from this Italian restaurant, the centerpiece, like Noah said, being this, these Brenda and Eddie characters, which seems like they kind of uh, fell out of a Bruce Springsteen song on their way through the 70s and into this track. Um, And Vienna is a much sweeter um, number, much more melancholic, much more sentimental, much more... It's a great song about restless youth. Like, it really does, like, like, just get to the core of, like, how this young woman in this song, It's a Young Woman, is feeling about being young and wanting to do things and not really knowing exactly what to do. And the whole conceit is Vienna waits for you. You're going to get there. Just chill the fuck out. And it's nice to hear a song that very directly tells young people, Hey, chill the fuck out. Take it easy. You need to hear that every once in a while. Yes, I, I agree. And this was a, a a matchup that came right down to the wire for me. Honestly, I love saying from Italian restaurant. I, I, it's, um, the Brenda and Eddie section, I think, is probably one of, if not the, it, it's some of my favorite. It's some of my favorite um, songwriting that he's done. I think I said that a lot for almost every single song that yes. we talk about on this bracket. But for Brenda and Eddie, there, there's, um, I don't think he names characters in his songs that often. There's usually in the first or second car- person, and he usually does a pretty good job of creating that uh, sonic space and that kind of sort of like sonic playground and when he gets the scenes from an italian restaurant um there's the first section which is bottle of red bottle of white table setting and then it goes into the sort of second section uh where it goes things are okay with me these days got a good just sort of like nameless other person that's just like kind of hanging out in the um restaurant and then the meat starts which is the uh there's like this low like kind of piano like it's a piano solo yeah and there's a piano solo and then he goes into the the chronicle of Brenda and Eddie which are these high school sweethearts that get married very young move into the city spend all their money creating this life and then eventually uh get divorced uh and try to return to the way things used to be but you can never go back there again i think it's such a um bitter bittersweet song um that is kind of i think uncharacteristic of his albums of his other work and really sticks out in that regard also it's it's a really impressive bit of songwriting it's almost seven minutes but you never get bored or restless listening to it unless you're doing karaoke at barney's beanery and you're a fucking hater then i can understand (laughs) 
But all of that being said, uh oh, um, the spirit of Vienna, I could not let that disappear. So that's why Vienna for me is upsetting the number three seed and moving on in the tournament. Noah, how did this bracket move for you? Much like our last game that we just played, it was competitive yeah. for a while. And then in the second half, one of these teams did not let up. Relentless. Corner three. Tomahawk slam. <laughs> people in the people in the stands were getting into it. They were like, pass me the ball, bitch. You know, and stuff like that. So it's not this one really wasn't as difficult for me, to be honest with you. My most difficult matchup, I think, in the first round was the it's still rock and roll to me in the entertainer one. But Mm-hmm. Uh, we do not agree, Mason, because my number three seed moves on. Scenes from Italian Restaurant moves on. Kicks Vienna out of the tournament, which I know is sad. People love that song. I didn't want to kick it out of the tournament, but Scenes from Italian Restaurant uh, moves on to the next round. And so, Mason, now we're moving into the Elite Eight. We've introduced the Elite the, Eight, baby. We, we've introduced ourselves and all the listeners to all the songs that were in play. We're moving on. This is the turn, this is the round right before the final four where things get really serious. Let's just fucking let's let's dive let's let's gut through let's these so it. we can get to some good let's stuff. So Pia- for me, so, we got Piano Man in Miami 2017. Is that the same for you? Same for me. I think our our uh, Western Conference is exactly the same. So Piano Man, excuse me, Miami 17, The Entertainer, and Captain Jack. Yes, that's our Western Conference. Our first matchup being the number one seed Piano Man versus the number four seed Miami 2017. And I know this this is potentially a bit of a conflict of interest for you because Miami 2017 yes. is your personal fave, Billy Joel. So what's your thought process here? So here is my thought process on this bracket here. And again, this one was another decision that came right down to the wire and I had to give myself a deadline to get an answer on this. Otherwise, I was going to think about it too much and not move forward. So while Miami 2017, it's a recent fave, it's a current fave, Piano Man has a very special place in my heart. When I was a kid and doing community theater at the Theater of Western Springs in the suburbs of Chicago, every cast party that I went to ended with the cast and crew, arms around each other, swaying back and forth and singing along to Piano Man. And... For as much as I love Miami 2017, for as much as I think it represents the peak of the Joel Man song craftsmanship, and I think it might be the single best song that he's written that I have heard, I cannot, in good conscience, have it lose to Piano Man. So for this bracket, it's tough. I hate, you hate to see it. I hate to see it. But Piano Man is moving on into the final four. Noe. How did this one work out for you? It's crazy that 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 you would guys would always sing uh, Piano Man. That's literally as like Joel could not have written it up any better. That's kind of I think exactly what he wanted. That's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this was really fucking tough. <laughs> this this <laughs> matchup. This was like Miami twenty seventeen really played above their stats in this game. Miami twenty seventeen really gave it to the number one seed. You know, this is like UConn going up against like you know potentially like a mid-major school like i said before we'll say this is uconn v university of oregon just for some some sure some just for dramatic shits and gigs. Yeah. yes exactly and you know uconn comes into the building thinking we've been here we've seen this shit miami 2017 this is the first time they're in the elite eight this is the furthest they've ever gotten in this tournament yeah. they're looking to show some shut some people up they're looking to shut some people over at espn and even espn 2 down <gasps> you know oh, yes so 
this was a hard fought game, Mason and my end. This was yeah. literally like I I didn't know what to do for a while. And truthfully, this is the only time in the bracket I did this. Part of my decision was actually based on what I thought you were going to do. Actually. What? Because okay. I thought you were going to pick Miami 2017 to move on because it was your favorite. Yeah. And that wasn't my ultimate like deciding factor, but that was a factor in me thinking what what am I going to do with that information? If I have to, if I'm assuming that Mason's picking Miami 2017, do I okay. pick something different for like show purposes for discussion purposes, you know, to make a little bit of a counterpoint, like what do I do here? And I love the fact that a song that isn't always talked about, we gave a, like, you know, a higher seed than normal and that we gave it up against a big dog. But piano man is so goddamn iconic and such a good song that I couldn't, I like, couldn't like let it be, you can't, uh, yeah. You can't. I couldn't. For as much as I love Miami 2017, and there was a stretch in May, March where that was like the only song, like March and early April, where that was like the only song I was listening to. Basically, I can't, in good conscience, advance it over Piano Man when Piano Man is one of the best, I think, American songs. You know, it's just it's such fantastic. A, it's it's you can't. And to talk about like how the Joel Man sets the scene, you know, you are in this bar this entire song. You are um, with these guys. You can, I think, you can like for as much as I've heard this song, like each of the characters in this song have their own face that I see 100%. when I'm listening to this song, uh, and you can't deny it. And that's why it has to move forward for me. I do love that you were so self conscious about what I was going to pick <laughs> that it influenced in some way your decision here. Actually, well, I thought that you were going to pick Miami. 20 2017 and I was going to pick Piano Man and say how could you pick Miami 2017 over Piano Man I'm going to bop you on the head via Zoom <laughs> with my pen like your little bunny Fufu but we both ended up making you know the, the big boy decision and dancing it's like saying you know you yeah. hate the Beatles because you don't hate the Beatles it's like saying oh Piano Man is not my favorite Billy Joel song which maybe it literally isn't but like it's got to be one of your favorites it's that good but Absolutely. that's that Piano Man advances to the final four then we have our second matchup in the Western Conference, the Entertainer, the six seed versus the seven seed Captain Jack. We got some some scrappy underdogs we duking do. it out. We do. Uh, this was another fairly difficult one for me, but you know what? I kind of let. Um, this is another one where I was kind of self conscious because I was like, do I want to have a wider spread going into the final four of albums, or do I really want to go with my heart on this one? And I listened to my heart, and you know what my heart said. I have no idea what your heart said. What did your heart say? Uh, my heart said Captain Jack. Wow. Honestly. Why? Yeah. Because it is a rockin' fucking funny song, honestly. That's really what it is. I don't okay. think there's another so- there's a similar song that he attempts this in his canon that approaches it with such gusto and such verve and such just pure um, bravado. Um, and I like it when, for as much as I love him being sentimental and sincere, I do love this more cynical, ironic side of him when it's, um, when it's, uh, deployed as it is in Captain Jack. I also like scenes from an Italian restaurant. It's also a seven minute song that I feel like I can listen to for forever. Um, and what I love about it is how deep it goes into this guy's misery, um, it, the, the last, the, the climax of the song, um, is the hero's dad being found upside down in a swimming pool 
and him having to like go back home and drop out of school to like support the family or whatever. But hey, he still got Captain Jack. We'll yeah, him baby. At night and bring him to a special island. Captain Jack will make you right tonight. All that stuff. And uh, for as fun as the entertainer is, um, I kind of also figured if it was going to go up against Piano Man, which was a very close possibility in my mind. I like his view of um, of the two. I like his the view of um, fame and performance that he displays in Piano Man. Where in Piano Man, he's like a panacea to these guys' miserable lives, and each day or each week or however long he's at the bar, he can bring a little um, joy and ease into their life. The entertainer, uh, like uh, the entertainer, is a little more. Um, it, it's a, it, at this point a little too up and I just like when it's up against Captain Jack I'm just like all right it's it's I understand you're you're calling your shot for the rest of your career and yes you're correct but um kind of wish you'd calm down a little bit honestly at this point wow. <laughs> but again hard fought fight Noah how did this one pan out for you Mason would you believe me you're gonna believe me why would I fucking even say that uh this was a game winning buzzer beater shot Mason okay uh, I, I these two songs the entertainer and Captain Jack are kind of synonymous in my mind with each other. I think about them both when I think yeah. of one of them. They kind of mm-hmm. are like a weird double billing in my mind almost, which I know is maybe sure. a weird okay. thing to say, but it is like how I think about them. Uh, like you said, the Captain Jack is sort of this uh, Robert Altman-esque you know, character piece, whereas <laughs> yep. the Entertainer is another Altman character piece (laughs) almost, I guess like uh, it's, you know, but for me, the deciding factor here was uh, one of these songs uh, basically gives the middle finger to the person that he had to send in the song to. uh, And it was a ownership of how he was going to sort of feel about himself as an artist and how he was going to, exude energy the rest of the career i think it's got major balls and that is why the entertainer moves on for me in the final four he you know the coach drew up an amazing play at the very end you know these teams they shouldn't have even been in the fucking elite eight mason these teams didn't have a shot in theory according to those big wig experts at espn to be there but they were and they dogged it out it was the best game of the tournament so far but the entertainer puts up a long three at the buzzer to make it into the final four and punch their stamp. You feel me? I feel you. And you know what? I respect it. All right, moving on to the Eastern bracket. We have in my corner, big shot going up against. We didn't start the fire and only the good die young going up against Vienna. Noah, why don't you remind the folks at home how things shook out, shook out on your side of the bracket? In the Eastern bracket, mine look a little bit different. We have moving out. Going up against We Didn't Start the Fire, a one versus a four. And we have only the good Die Young going up against Scenes from an Italian Restaurant, a two going up against a three. Uh, For my 1v4 matchup of moving out versus We Didn't Start the Fire, Mason, I'm just going to cut straight to the fucking chase. This was a blowout game. Blowout. Okay, yeah. This was a blowout. This was not even close. This this wasn't close. I can't I cannot state <laughs> yeah. how not close this was when I listened to these two songs back to back. We didn't start the fire. Is going on to the fucking final what? four, baby. That is crazy. Okay, 
All right, so up against, I have the number eight seed, the biggest upset of my bracket, I think, the num when the number eight seed big shot um, knocked out, moving out. Going up against number four, we didn't start the fire. Uh, this one, I'm also just going to cut right to the chase. This was another, uh, this is a crazy game. Yep. It was also a very entertaining game. I don't want to say it was a necessarily a close game. I just think one of these teams went up against the other and didn't know what the fuck they were going to do. And by that, I mean, we didn't start the fire, went up against the crazy energy of Big Shot and just completely lost themselves on the on the floor Whoa! there. So Big Shot is moving on to my final four. A number eight seed in the final four. That is the equivalent, ladies and gentlemen, of a 16 seed making it to the final four in the regular NCAA tournament. Holy crap lois you have a number hey. eight seed in there. <laughs> yeah man sorry that's just how my bracket shook out and then uh so we have only the good die young going up against scenes from an italian restaurant for you noah how did that one work out for you damn dude this 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 one fucking sucked to have to pick this one sucked was on my side too sucked on yep. my side too i'm not gonna lie this this one this one was fucking rough this game mason this game went into triple overtime Triple overtime. <laughs> this Triple this game overtime. <laughs> you had guys bouncing the ball off the back of the defender that wasn't looking so that they could catch it on the inbound and do like the under the basket layup. You had guys hucking it from the half court line. This was an insane game. Both teams doing like giving their all to try and stay in this tournament, Mason. Like I said before, you had a number two seed going up against a number three seed. This was a insanely hard-fought game. And then in that third overtime, yeah, doors busted wide open, and you could never have imagined that this game went to overtime, Mason, because the little boy who dreamt that he wouldn't be there, <laughs> who dreamt that he couldn't, Make it out the door without his sandals on. What the fuck am I saying? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Rudy showed up on the court. Rudy, Rudy without shoes showed up and kicked the ball into the stands and said, folks, I'm deciding for you. Scenes from an Italian restaurant moves into the final four. Respect. Respect. All right. So like you, only the good die young going up against Vienna. This, I think, is sort of like, uh, I'm not good on sports, folks. I'm just going to say it. I've been laughing along with Noah. I've been throwing in things <laughs> here and there, but I don't have the knowledge he does. This is going to be sort of like, uh, uh, this is like, I'm going to say like sort of minor rivals going up against each other. So there you go. each more or less has their side to prove. Each has their loyal fan base that is invested um, dutifully in the game and the outcome. But it's also, I feel... Uh, a matchup that has been seen time and time again. Um, and for this particular game, I had to go with my heart on this one. Of course. Honestly. Uh, the heart and the team that put their more of their heart in versus just regular technique um, was number six seed Vienna. So that is moving into wow. the final four. Vienna. Only the good die young. Yeah. Vienna wanted it more in your Vienna bracket. Vienna wanted it more. Honestly, at the end of the day, Vienna did want it more. Maybe they... Uh, 
you know, maybe there was a tragedy on campus and they all had something to fight for. They were all oh wearing goodness. black jerseys or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, or maybe they had like an infirm nun or something on the sidelines. It was like the first time, you know, it was like, oh, yeah. this is going to be the last chance. He's, she's going to see them in the finals, we think. So we got to do it for sister fucking Vienna or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Vienna's moving on to the final four. So then, Mason, uh, give me your give me your final four. What who made it into your final four for the folks at home? Piano's man, Captain Jack, Big Shot, and Vienna. So you and I only the only team we share in the final four then is Piano Man. So my final four yeah. look like Piano Man, the number one seed going up against the number six seed, the Entertainer, and then the number four seed, we didn't start the fire going up against the number three seed scenes from an Italian restaurant, Mason. Tell me about that Piano Man matchup. All right. Piano Man versus Captain Jack. You got a number one seed versus a number seven seed. That number Captain seven Jack, seed, not supposed to be there. Not supposed to be there. So they are trying their damnedest this game. They are in it. They are like, and, but honestly, they're like, we made it this far. We are just in it for the game. We want to bring it home. So they're going to try, but they know at this point, because they're going up against Piano Man, the odds are stacked against them. Um, and unfortunately, it was a good game. It was a fair game. But Piano Man had to take the cake and yep. move into the final the final matchup. Piano Man knocked out Captain Jack after a very honest game. Um, not really a disappointing game. I think anybody watching can kind of tell the outcome of this one. But totally. they're going into the – they're moving into the finals here. Noah, how did things work out for you? Well, I was just going to say on your matchup, like, you know, I, we're in somewhat similar circumstances. I have a number six seed going up against a number one seed. It's basically the same, you know, same difference. You know, you have yeah, yeah, yeah. this, you know, powerhouse school. They expected to be here, dude. You know, they expected they that their 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 benchmark in their season was not make the tournament. Their benchmark was win the fucking whole thing. Take home yeah. the big prize. This six seed, the entertainer. They're from they're like from Maryland or Delaware or some shit, you know? They're just happy to be in the tournament still. This is a Cinderella story for them going up against a powerhouse mm-hmm. like Piano Man. It wasn't close. They got their asses kicked and Piano Man moved into the championship game. But yes. the nation rallied around them and yeah. absolutely won they won the hearts and minds of the nation. Everyone <laughs> expected Piano Man to be there. The, the nation fell in love with the entertainer. And if I'm being honest with you, Mason, I wanted the entertainer to move on because it's such a beautiful yeah. story of the underdog. But how can you go against piano fucking man? So piano man is in the fucking championship Clear. game. Clear no, win. no surprise there. And so what do you got going right. on in your Eastern conference? So we have number eight seed big shot going up against number six seed. Vienna. This is crazy. I don't think any forecasters could have predicted these no. would have been the final two teams in this conference. Especially no, considering the aforementioned uh actually before I go forward, remind the audience again who are in your final two going into this last matchup. Uh so my Eastern Conference is we didn't start the fire going up against scenes from an Italian restaurant. Great. Thank you very much. So we have Big Shot. And as we've mentioned before, Big Shot has kind of gotten this far based on the scrappy, their scrappy energy and more or less completely taking by surprise uh, higher-seeded teams. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we didn't start the fires. You're moving out. In the taste of moving out, it was a close game, and they rode that energy up through 
their matchup with we didn't start the fire, which com they com were, we didn't start the fire was completely ill prepared for, and got their asses handed to them. Similarly, Vienna they have something to fight for this tournament. This is um, they, they have uh, like the entertainer. They have also captured the imagination and the hearts of the audience at home. They are really rooting for them because. And in a lot of ways, I think this is the underdog team on my bracket. Uh, they have. You think that they're Park more of an underdog from... than the number eight seed? I absolutely think so, actually. Wow. Um, yeah, at least in my mind palace of this Joel June Jamboree March Madness thing that we have going on, um, everybody's aware of the tragedy that befell Vienna University, and they're really hoping for the best up for it. Uh, and so going into big into their matchup with Big Shot, they were like, "Is big like are they going to be up to the task? Can they take the insane energy of ITT Tech Big Shot University?" <laughs> and the thing about this crazy manic energy at ITT Tech Big Shot University is, it can only get you so far. Sure. And maybe in between tr the uh, the week of training or however long it is, going into this last matchup they kind of started to rest on their laurels a little bit and be like, you know, we can take anything. We're ready to take on Piano Man. We see what it is. We can do, we've made it this far. No one was expecting us to get it this far. And so they started to take their position for granted and they weren't as prepared for this matchup against Vienna, which as we said before, has, um, feels like they they have something to lose. Like this is just, uh, this is the, 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 the tournament of their lives. This is them stepping up and being like, uh, 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 we have a reason to be in this tournament. We have something to prove. And because of that, Vienna moves on to the final two, going up against Piano Man in the finals. Noah, uh, how did things shake out for you between your number three and number four seeds here? Once again, Mason, um, it's a really fucking close game. And uh, it, no team, no the real loser here is the audience. Because one of these teams is going to have to go home. You yeah. Know, one of these clearly. teams is going to have to go home, and one of them is going to have to go on to the championship. And, you know, to be honest with you, I don't want to lose either of these teams. Uh, I wish these both of these teams could be in the tournament in some way, shape, or form uh, in a different universe, in a way that seeding worked out differently. It's kind of like when the Spurs and the Mavericks went up against each other in the semifinals of the NBA playoffs, and I can't remember what year, but it was the second round. And they played so many games, and it was such a fiercely fought competition. In a I, lot of ways, some I, people... I absolutely understand what you're saying here. You're, you're making complete sense to me. Perfect. Then shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> these, these two teams, in a way, are fighting the championship game right now. In a way. Okay. This is like okay. the championship game. But there is something to be said about the journey that you go on with one of these songs. Yes. There is something to be said about being in a world where you can experience a different time period, mm -hmm. a different way of life and a different view of the macro of relationships and the micro of relationships. Mm -hmm. And because of that scenes from an Italian restaurant boots, we didn't start the fire out of the tournament so hard so that hard. they never make the tournament ever again. <laughs> oh ever. no! Oh, that's awful. They they they're cursed. 
They're cursed. They're, it's that's funny awful. that, that is... they're cursed. It's funny that they're cursed. <laughs> it's funny that they're cursed. Uh, Robin Williams is coming in on the Zoom chat here. Robin, how do you think of how things are going so far? Oh, it's a great podcast, boys. Great podcast. Great podcast we're doing here. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> Thanks, Robin. Please stop. <laughs> um, but uh, in my in my bracket, the championship game is Piano Man v Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. But hey, look, we and you and I both have Piano Man in the final four, which, or excuse me, in the championship, which is not something I would have predicted. Yeah. And I definitely think that like, I wouldn't have, if, you know, when we were making this bracket, I was definitely of the mindset of being really stubborn and fighting for uh, Miami 2017. But that was before I was doing all the list, the required listening for this podcast. And if I just sort of was like uh, resting on my memory of these songs and uh, and without doing any of the other research, probably would have had Miami 2017 in this in this year. But listening to Piano Man as often as I was doing the last week or so while preparing for this episode and it bringing back so many memories, uh, it was kind of undeniable and uh, expected that it ended up here. Uh, and I was kind of honestly surprised with how uh, with Vienna's placement up here. I was not expecting that necessarily. Yeah, definitely a dark horse. Definitely an interesting tournament I got. Noah, how are things on your side with, uh, excuse me, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant going up against Piano Man, which I will th- I will say, honestly, I know Scenes from an Italian Restaurant is not a, uh, it's a number three seed, but I would say that, like, that's probably the number two Billy Joel song ever written, even though it didn't end up on my bracket. It's It makes sense that these two are going head-to-head in yours, I will say. They're both epic songs in their own right. The P- Piano Man yeah. gives you a window into each individual person's life in this bar that he's playing in, in this lounge that this Piano Man is playing in. And you get a little mm-hmm. bit of a respite or a little bit of a, a moment of, of, you know, of breathing uh, because of what the Piano Man is bringing to these people in their lives. And I am a yeah. big fan of the miserable life story. I am a big fan of that story you of the, the man. You love the John, the John Cheevers or the, uh, uh, was it Raymond Chandler's of Raymond Carver, my friend. Raymond Carver, thank you. He is one of, he is if for probably my all time uh, favorite author, at least at this point in my life, as someone who doesn't read nearly as much as they should. But both of these songs have a Raymond Carver-esque quality to them. The Scenes from an Italian Restaurant one plays in a different structure, really, than The Piano Man. That's really what's differentiating these two uh, for me is the structure. You have the individual look in these people's lives in Piano Man. Obviously, Piano Man is one of the most iconic songs of all time in American music. And then you have Scenes from an Italian Restaurant, which in its own special way feels as though you're getting a breadth of knowledge about what a place meant to these certain people that are in it. You get the story of Brenda and Eddie, which seems like an aside on its first listen, but really sort of mirrors the speaker's feelings about what a place means to someone over time. And I have Mm -hmm. not met a single person in my life of a certain, at least of a certain age that doesn't feel mixed feelings about certain places, meaning certain things in different parts of their lives. And this is a, this is a really tough matchup. And it really does pain me to say that piano man did not come out victor here. It really pains me to say. Wow. Scenes from an Italian restaurant came into this game 
and said, we will not lose at all. We will win at all costs. And it was a very close game. They made some free throws at the very end. They did the foul game where they were fouling each other back and forth to put each other on the line, hoping someone would miss. Scenes from an Italian restaurant just played a great fucking game and didn't miss. And so for that reason, my Joel Junapalooza, or whatever we're calling this, winner is... Scenes scenes from from an Italian Italian restaurant. Yeah, baby. Incredible. Incredible. That... What a what an incredible run that song! What a journey we just went on! What a journey we have gone on, and we still have mine yep. to talk about. So, we have Piano Man, arguably the most iconic Billy Joel song. We have then coming up against it, Vienna, which, as we have mentioned before, uh, has God on its side this turn. Of course, sort of the scrappy underdog, uh, the beloved popular point guard was in a really awful car accident before the final four twisting the tragedy of what this team is going got it together to win in the final four and move on to this matchup this championship matchup now i mentioned earlier when we were bringing up piano man that that was a song that is a very um deep i have a deep emotional connection to very long uh emotional connection to that sure there was one year at this uh there's only one show i should say where a theater of western springs children's theater of western springs cast party did not end with piano man and that year the song that we ended the night with was vienna wow if you could believe it i can't almost being really upset and i remember people being like this is that song from 13 Going on 30. And it is. It plays in the sad it montage is. in the movie 13 Going on 30, which I think is a pretty good movie. Wow. But almost ever since that moment, this song has sat in my heart and my mind as a song that unseats Piano Man. Um, the thing with Piano Man is it got this far based on its atmosphere, based on its um, its ability to put you in this bar with these guys, to give you this, um, this sort of Raymond Carver, like you said, uh, glimpse into the, the executives at a, at a Los Angeles area bar, which is where he was working for a time being. It was sort of the inspiration for this song. Vienna, what I love about it, um, is its sentimentality is its earnestness uh is this just the pure beating heart that it has just it's and it's it's so melancholic and um when i hear the song i mentioned earlier that every good i think billy joel song you get a very clear picture of the person that the song is either about or is singing the song and when i have been listening to, to vienna over and over again i pictured a guy who is standing wistfully on like a beach looking out across the horizon towards in the general direction of somebody who um had to move on and move forward with their life um against uh the protagonist against the joel man's uh sort of wishes and desires um and i think that that's what the is the kind of the coin flip of this song if you were it can either be a song about taking your time and waiting 
um, and not trying to rush through life. Or it could be um, on the other side of that, wishing that life wasn't moving so fast. You know what I'm saying? Totally. And when it came down to putting these two songs head to head, and I was like, which would I be sadder to lose? Let's say that my memories are still intact of each song. Let's just like make those neutral things that are kind of set in stone and concrete. Which would I be sadder to lose? At the end of the day, I listen to Vienna more. I'd go out of my way to listen to Vienna more. And so this is a close game. This was an emotional game. Sure. But Vienna took it. The confetti wow. wrapped down. Vienna is my number one Billy Joel song. Everybody on Team Vienna shook hands and hugged everybody on Team Billy Joel. They're gonna make. They're all gonna go out and party. There's no bad blood here. It was a good, honest game. But God was on their side, honestly, for this one. And so Vienna took home the tournament. For wow. Me. Upsetting and surprising, honestly, even me. I did not think that this was gonna be how things worked out. But that's how it did. I had to listen to my heart on this one. And that's all well, I got folks. for you. Thank you for uh, sticking with us for nearly two yeah, hours of Billy Joel's on this. But you know what? I had fun. And I hope people I listening to too. this had fun. And I hope that they, you know, we will post the bracket on our social medias if it hasn't been done already. And if you haven't been playing along with us, we would like you to, you know, let us know what you think. Call us f- fucking idiots. Uh, yes. Tell us to work on our sports metaphors. Do whatever. But you guys have, you guys have braved out over two almost two hours of billy joel talk and for that i say thank you i'm just gonna applaud the audience real quick yeah no kidding the uh the this format uh will be coming back in some way shape or form in the future and we're always trying to Mm -hmm. you know mix it up a little bit on here um can i start with the plugs mason because this kind of relates to a plug that i really would like to plug oh would you Yes, would Chef. you, Noah? Would you like to <laughs> plug away with us real quick? Yes. So here's a here's a plug for you. Uh, when this episode comes out, uh, my solo episode that or my solo podcast project that I mentioned last time you heard me on the Chris Chalakian episode, my first episode of that will be out. You can listen to that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and even Stitcher. Believe it or not, <gasps> Stitcher. The podcast place. That podcast is called My Favorite Podcast. You can follow that podcast on Instagram at My Favorite underscore podcast and on Twitter at My Favorite Pod. Uh, it's a podcast about people's favorite things. Every week I'll be having a guest. And believe it or not, on June 11th, the episode about the song Vienna will drop. What about what? With guest what? Chloe May. Chloe May will be coming on the podcast what? to talk exclusively about the Billy Joel song, Vienna. It is her favorite song. So while we're recording this, I haven't, I haven't heard the, uh, the interview yet, but I can't imagine it will be a bad interview. It's going to be an amazing interview with her. So check that out. Follow that pod. Also, you can follow Wild G and shit, but you've heard me say that all before. But this, in a way, is sort of like you said, Mason, when we were talking off mic, a little bit of a backdoor pilot for something like that. But in my other show, we're just talking about shit that people really like, whether it's mm-hmm. their all-time favorite in something, like you know, like a movie or music or whatever, or it's their favorite mountain. You can come on the show and talk about your favorite mountain if that's really what you want to talk about. We do, we do love a mountain. That's Yes, I would hope someone would go on and talk about a cool mountain that they visited. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on hot at on Instagram at hot dog I'm also on Letterboxd. I also have another podcast, The Barn, a podcast about the Shield, where we talk about the Shield 
every week. That's a television show. And you can find that on all of your podcast places. You can get in contact with the show on uh, Twitter at it's on the list pod on Instagram at it's on underscore the list. I am pulling up the list here because I never do this uh, on Facebook on everybody wants to the number two get on the list. You can also email the show at everybody wants to the number two get on the list at gmail.com. Uh, I believe that's all it for my pluggables. You can find the playlist of all the music we've talked about on the show on Spotify linked in the show notes where I will also post a Spotify link for each of the brackets uh, for this week. So you can play along with us. No, wow. do you have anywhere else that, uh, you would like the folks to find you or anything else you want to plug real quick? Uh, I mean, you hear it every week, but you can follow me on Twitter, letterboxd, Instagram. Fuck that. I mean, you hear it all the time. It'll be in the fucking show notes. So I'm not, I don't need to say it out loud, but you know where to find me. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I would really love it if you guys, you know, for the, whoever actually does fucking listen to this, this show <laughs> currently, if you would follow me over to my solo pod, it's a little, you know, a little bit different mood, a little bit different, you know, type of thing. Each week is a new guest. And, uh, I think on this show specifically, you can look forward to more solo apps with Mason and I doing potentially yes, stuff like this, talking can. about our own music and movies that we think are underrated. Not to say that we're getting rid of guests completely. Cause of course we would not do that, but you're going to be hearing from him, Mason and I a little bit more, uh, frequently just solo. So if you like that, congratulations. And if you don't, there's plenty of other podcasts. <laughs> you don't have to listen to this one. And in a way I wish you wouldn't, but that's all I got, Mace. Thanks for doing this with me. Well, I, for one, am happy for anybody listening to this show. Don't listen to Noah. Keep listening to us. Tell us how you <laughs> feel about this show. And, uh, Noah, this is such a pleasure, even though it did go. Uh, this is, I think, our longest episode so far. But you know what? Wouldn't have done it with anybody else, and I'm so happy I got a chance to do it. Gave me some stuff to think about this week and gave me a lot of good music to listen to. So thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you all next time. Bye-bye.